You're about to experience ultrasounds, an uplifting soulful journey into the spheres of exotic electronic music. Brought to you by DJ Elove. WMNF 88.5 FM Tampa. Music for your mind, body and soul. Greetings and welcome to the Ultrasound Show. It is such a blessing and a joy to have you on and thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. It's really appreciated. I know that you're currently on tour and it may seem like from the outside looking in, especially people that are just getting to know David Promala Mitten, that being on tour is like a presentation of your music, but you and Dave are really doing some spiritual savor out in the world. And there's many layers. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes events that you guys do and a larger mission, and I'd love to know more about this. It's a funny thing to call it a mission because uh, it sounds like we're out there to save somebody, and and, and, uh, actually we're just saving ourselves because we've learned that by chanting these mantras, we have enriched our lives, both of us, and... uh, so it's a natural thing to want to do it, and uh, the nature of playing music is you play for people, and uh, it's uh, it's just been an amazing uh, journey to to see more and more people in these weird and terrible times that we're all going through in a way that uh, we are looking towards something a little more sustaining and nourishing for the soul. And what the uh, what we've been taught uh, is good for the soul, which is basically trying to make money and paying the rent and having a family and uh, maintaining a certain standard of living, that kind of life. We uh, we jumped out of that. I jumped out of that kind of life many many years ago. I'm 17 now, so it was like you know almost 50 years ago when I I. Um, I stepped back in the days of the hippies and just looking for a, a different way of life. And through that journey, uh, I met Deva, who, who'd uh, been given mantras to uh, by her father as as a, a birth, almost at birth, and also during her childhood, she chanted mantras. So Deva is is uh, you know she's she her whole being is somehow resonates with the Gayatri Mantra, which is known as the oldest prayer known to humanity. And uh, so, you know, to to be able to be able to chant these mantras for others enriches our life. It also enriches the mantras themselves because when you're in a community, in a, a collective or congregation, when we're all chanting and singing together, Magic happens, you know. It's not that we're singing, I love you, baby, you left me, and, you know, they're not emotional content. These mantras are beyond emotion, and they go to a deeper level of healing. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a mission, but you know what? It's not, it implies that somehow um, I'm sacrificing something to do it. I'm not, not neither is David. We love this life. We've been traveling now for over 20 years, and uh, we still haven't had time to actually put a home down. We still haven't got a home or base, you know. We just move and travel and share. And uh, 
it's it's become the most incredible thing I could have ever imagined in my life, you know, to be with my wife, my beloved, and uh, be moving around the planet and doing some good in the world, you know. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm a very lucky man, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing about that, love, is that the people who come are not strangers to... Uh, to heartache and pain and uh, and celebration, we've been through a certain level of uh, dealing with life's uh, travails, and uh, so we all come bringing a certain sense of uh, peace and uh, uh, intensity, and, and and so when we all sing together, we create a Buddha field, we call it, for for all of us, for each of us, so that we can be together for a few hours in uh, a, a stressful and a stressless environment, not stressful, <laughs> a stressless environment, you know, where we're not thinking about uh, tomorrow, we're not thinking about what we left behind before we arrived at the theater. We're suddenly in, it's like being in a temple, you know. You know, we can just chant and sing together. So, uh, you know, and then, once that's finished and the evening's finished, Dave and I and the crew gets packed up and then we move on to the next place. You know, that's how, we, that's how we've been living. And you also are doing some events that are not seen in public necessarily, but at individual places. Yeah, right now we're, we're at an amazing place in upstate New York. It's called the Center for Discovery and it's a, a facility that takes care of uh, autistic children. And it's just an amazing place. There's farmland and uh, uh, lakes and, and every kind of uh, uh, help and, and assistance that uh, these uh, people need. And so it's it really, the mantras are amazing in, in many different levels. We've, we've played, uh, for instance, in San Quentin Prison in the, San Francisco, you know, we played in prisons quite often. We played now for this facility here. So it's just amazing that the mantras can permeate, you know, like the, the carers and the parents that were in the audience last night said, you know, that was remarkable that the, all the children were quiet. It just doesn't happen. They were so chilled out. And not only the kids, but also the carers, because these carers are angels, you know, they they devote their whole life to taking care of these people, you know, so they need it too, you know, they need that space of, uh, you know, solace and uh, just, to, just, to, just to breathe and be able to be in the moment in a beautiful space where you're free of stress, you know, and uh, the mantras wash over you and you join in the chant. See, the thing with mantras is that they're not words. They, they appear to be words, but they're from the Sanskrit language, which is now not used anymore, but the Sanskrit language was based on uh, uh, energetic. Uh, every sound has an energetic property. It's not a descriptive language like English, for instance. So they carry power. So once you start to... Uh, be available to that that energy. You you whether you chant or not, it doesn't really uh, 
Of course, it's good to chant and open the voice, but if you're in the congregation, you you uh, will be benefited by the mantras either way. You know. It's beautiful that you mentioned the caretakers because often they are not giving themselves the amount of care that they're giving out. I guess so, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't meet any of them more just to have a hug at the end, and, but uh, we had some food with them and but just looking in their eyes, you could see that they were so touched and uh, and so nourished by the evening. You know, and we too. It's not a one-way thing. Every time I play, I mean, I often say for me and Deva, it's our tantric time together. You know, it's like making love. We're we're in this energetic flow together, and it's beyond words, and it's. Uh, it's a it's a movement and it's it's we're sharing this thing together with our voices and with the music, so uh, it's a benefit and a nourishment to to the musicians who travel with us and you know it's uh, it's a peak for us when we play. It's not something that we perform. It's it's what what we do because you know we're out here. So the reason we're out here is to do this thing. It's not. Uh, it's not the other way around, you know. So we we actually love to play. That's where we become recharged. Our batteries get stoked up again, you know, when we've been playing. It's like you're doing your practice in public. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Yeah. And you mentioned meeting Deva. Would you share a little bit about the story of your meeting, Deva? Because your relationship and the love that you share is so profound. Of course, I can. I'm just trying to uh, put it in context because it's, it is quite... I didn't really uh, ex- expect that uh, that I would be in a relationship for like 28 years this year and for it still to be so alive and so vibrant, you know? And... Uh, as 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 vibrant and as alive as as the first time we met, and actually even more so, of course, because after so long and, and singing together for so long, we are we are very very close with each other, and it's a it's a it's a beautiful closeness. It's not a closeness where we've put a ring around ourselves and said this is uh, we can't step away from the ring. We are very much friends you know we're good friends and we we've uh we've we've just enjoyed and loved to see each other's journey our spiritual journey through life and being able to support it that's my that's really my priority and i know it's davis too that that um we just want the best for each other you know and if the best for each other is to be together and do this then that's what we do but if if anything would change, then uh, it would be okay. It would be, uh, it would be, if, if it would be uh, a, a time to to give thanks for the years that we've been together, and as a friend, wish the friend well. You know, that's a theoretical thing, but that's basically the way we live, and that's how we met. We met in Osho's ashram. You know the. The Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, which uh, is pretty hot right now with the Wild Wild Country movie on Netflix. We actually met uh, around about that time. And uh, it was, 
it was in, an incredible, incredible experience to uh, to be playing music and learning about meditation and learning about how to uh, to respect each other on a, on a spiritual level rather than on a, a fundamental kind of marriage level. You know, it's it, it was a whole different different way of, of, of being with a person to be to be supportive of their spiritual journey and their meditation to support each other in going deeper into meditation, you know, because uh, that's, that was basically Osho's teaching. That was the way out of, uh, you know, dealing with life and, and everything that it throws at you is that you've only got, the only hope you've really got is to learn how to meditate. So, Whatever happens inside when you close your eyes, you're at peace with yourself. That's what we all look for, be at peace with ourselves. And, and, you know, we found a key to meditation through our music, through the mantras and through singing. So it's a key for us. So that's why what I meant when I said it sustains us, you know, like we open the door to meditation when we sing and that's the invitation. And that's what we all feel. The people come, we can... We can sit with thousands of people in silence and uh, and we've just been, you know, singing our hearts out, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and laughing and enjoying each other in this, in this space and then uh, the, the, the mantra would come to a, a close and it would leave us, you know, in a space of inner peace and silence and Really, the, the mantras are born out of that. We only start the music and the mantras in silence. So, it, 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 you know, it's the music is there purely to deepen the silence. Yeah, just to say with David, we met, uh, and uh, she wasn't singing. She was studying. Uh, she was studying body work when we when we met. She's a uh, She's a great masseuse, Deva, and also uh, uh, with Chiatsu, and she was studying craniosacral methods of healing. So she was very involved in the healing arts. But luckily for me, I was the uh, coordinator of the music and the meditation music in the in the ashram, which was a great gift and a great honor for thousands of people being able to share the music every night and, and that's where I learn meditation and music, how they go together like two wings of a bird, you know. So she uh, she uh, she had a great uh, um, start in life really. Our mother's a classical musician and father was an artist and a drummer. So she had a musical background and when she started to sing with me I realized um she was good, <laughs> but she hadn't discovered the mantras or rediscovered the mantras of her childhood. She dropped them, and uh, she was uh, in India, which is where we met, in Osho's ashram in India. And uh, so slowly, slowly, I, I began to uh, take her into, into the music uh, group so that she could learn how to sing on a microphone and learn how to be... In, uh, in an ensemble of musicians and what that meant and how intimate and close you can become when you're playing music with uh, other people. It's a very beautiful experience. And she learned all that. And then 
Later on, she uh, rediscovered the mantra that her father was chanting to her at birth, the Gayatri mantra, and, you know, we started to sing that, and she she became, uh, from being a shy shy girl to uh, to somebody who, uh, who could just share in a very egoless way through her voice the power of the mantras. There was a very beautiful, amazing occurrence in my life to suddenly realize I could support something so deep and so honest and rich. And uh, so it's it's just been a, an amazing ride for us and now we're we we we've we're on tour you know all all year basically. We we go to Australia for a few months every year in the winter and then we we have programs in Costa Rica at the Blue Spirit Resort which is amazing. And uh, then we're on tour and then we uh we have uh, two months in Corfu, Greece where we have programs down there. You know, and so it's uh it's quite a life. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I was a galley slave in my last life or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just got good from this, this time around. <laughs> you were saying that you weren't expecting to fall in love or be in a relationship for this long. 27 years we've been together. And uh, uh, it's 28 this year in December. We met in... Uh, around about December. David knows exactly the date, but I'm, I've, I can't remember exactly anymore. But, uh, it was uh, it was a special time, you know. It was an amazing time. And uh, um, to to be in India and to be in an ashram and learning how to meditate and learning things we had to learn to be the human beings that we've become. And uh, and to, to have met this uh, very... Amazing young girl. She was only 20 years old, and uh, she was. When we hugged for the first time, I remember hugging her and holding her and feeling like she's older than me. <laughs> Even, you know, I could feel her, that she's such an old soul, and she was so settled in herself and so relaxed. It was, uh, it was beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it was really something. For so many years, you and Deva have been sharing your music with communities globally, and you recently underwent the heart surgery where there was such a huge outpouring of love and support to you and Deva worldwide. Yeah. How that has this it, yeah. experience uh, changed you, or has it changed you in terms of going through the actual surgery and the experience of this love that just flooded in from everybody? Yeah, it was really, really astounding, really. Uh, yeah, it has changed me. I, I, I've, uh, I, I realized through that process that I was in a kind of birth canal. I, can, I felt like, oh, after the surgery, I was just uh, convalescing, and uh, I, I realized oh, it's like I'm, I'm being reborn or something, you know. And uh, that's how... It feels. It feels like uh, I've. I'm here now. I'm being reborn into my later years. You know, these are these are the years when the body naturally starts to deteriorate. It's a. It's just a natural thing. It's nothing 
we, you know, we obviously, we, we're healthy and we do what we can, but, but the body is not meant to last forever. It's organic. So, you know, it breaks down in certain ways. And, uh, uh, so, and my, my gift to myself is that I'm going to experience that. I could have died, but, uh, I had the operation and, uh, um, it was a, it was the arteries were blocked, you know, so I was I didn't have much blood flowing through, and I didn't really know. But uh, since the operation, after about six or seven weeks after the uh, open heart surgery, I was on tour, you know, and I was feeling strong, and my breath was big, and my blood flowed, and uh, my energy was uh, was such that I could support and lead the band and. Uh, you know, do what I do, and uh, and then we we went from all up the west coast of America, all over Canada to Canada, and then down to Chile to Santiago for the last concert of that tour, and then to Peru where we had a, a program of 170 people with uh, shamans from the Andes, with us, and we were chanting mantras under the Andes with these people and. You know, and uh, people saying, well, how come you, you've recovered so fast? And how come, you know, and I just could put it down to the love that, I, that was, that was pouring at me and on me from everywhere. I never realized that, uh, that, uh, you know, it was a, it was just incredible. And so now, as I meet the people that were sending me love, it's so great, you know, now, you know, people tell me, oh, I was praying for you, and uh, we were singing for you, and, you know, and of course, it's an incredible feeling. The doctors asked me, so, how come you this so fast? And I showed them some of my uh, messages, and, the, and they, they were, oh, this is incredible. So, mm. yeah, I, it, it, it's love heals. I mean, the doctors were great. They said to me, so what are you going to do to rest now? I said, I'm going out on tour. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, okay. Well, good luck. And uh, Because it's my comfort zone, you know. That's where I nourish myself. I know where I'm best uh, suited, you know. And it's it's to be traveling and playing music and sharing these mantras and my songs. You know, that's, that's what I... That's why I can do some some good in the world, and why not do it now while I while I can, you know? Was there fear or concerns before the surgery, like natural kind of thoughts that were going through your head, and how did you deal with those if they were happening, <laughs> or did you just kind of know everything's going to be fine? Yeah, there was honestly, honestly, there was no fear and no doubt. Not the trace, but the whole time. Maybe I, I don't. I, I can't say why that is, but I can tell you that there was no fear, no doubt. And uh, it was uh, it was a natural occurrence. It just felt like a cosmically synchronistic, and uh, we just everything just fell into place. The whole episode, and uh, uh, I, I just. Uh, I mean, it feels a bit, you know, if I didn't have the scar on my chest, I would have thought maybe it was all a dream, you know. 
it was just mm. incredible how it all happened and uh, and that I could heal and, and play music again so fast because you know I thought okay it's going to take a while but uh, every day I could start to when I started to walk and okay I can walk again and then I could walk a bit further and then I could walk a bit further and then uh, I could breathe in my chest deeper all these things they were steps but the main you know you know, the main the main thing for me was uh, I didn't realize that the body itself was traumatized, and I had to I had to deal with that because, of course, the anesthesia. You know, they you you know your your mind is asleep, but I realized after the operation that the body was conscious, and it was when I tried to sleep after the operation, the body just refused to let to to go there. It just was so fearful you know so I had to uh, I had to deal with the trauma of the, that the body was going through and I could do that easy but I, I'm no stranger to different modes of catharsis and, and uh, ways of, of healing trauma through through uh, tears and through movement and shaking and different things that I'd learned that Osho had given us back in the day and uh those things, those things helped me immensely. And of course, David was there, so our our relationship took a, an even deeper turn as we were as she helped me through that whole evening. You know, it was uh, it just brought us even closer and more profound. We have a lot of fun together. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's a nice a nice thing to be with somebody we you can laugh with and and uh, you feel uh, in, you know in sync with them. So so it was. I think the thing the thing about the the operation was that it it did affect so many of us. I thought it was just my story, you know, but. When I started to receive so much, so many messages of love and uh, support, and then when I went out on tour with the band and we were out and um, receiving so much, like tidal waves of love every time we stepped on the stage this time, and uh, people were just so happy to to uh, to be able to share their love with me. But also, it it made me realize that we were. Everybody had been affected. We were all a little closer to realizing how fragile life is and how momentary it is and how we have to give ourselves to the moment uh, intensely. And, and it's always been like that in our conscience, but this time I sensed even a deeper level of uh, connection with the people, all, all our people that came and to sing and to meditate with us, you know. So the ripples seem to have gone way beyond uh, uh, just, uh, you know, the individual of me or, you know, me and Dave or something. It, it rippled all the way out. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a healing for all of us. It was like a, almost like a teaching for all of us. And it wasn't unconscious. It wasn't I was trying to teach anybody anything, but we all saw, wow, how close it is, you know, how close death is and how important it is to enjoy the moment, to share intensely and lovingly 
uh, now with everybody and and uh, um, and be grateful. You know, through through gratitude, we can uh, we can heal the world. Beautiful. We have a question from Subban Jim Dawson. He was saying, as you're from Liverpool, what was your experience with the Beatles? Did you see them, and how did they influence your music? <laughs> oh, my God. How long have we got? <laughs> so I wanted to uh, go over that, because it's a great question. <laughs> Well, since you have done a beautiful rendition of Norwegian Wood, it's absolutely exquisite. Thank you. I think I, I really wanted to get it to Yoko, you know, because I wanted I wanted her to hear it, you know. Because John wrote Norwegian Wood. Actually, Paul McCartney wrote the last verse about burning, about lighting the fire and everything. But uh, it was John's song, and uh, I, 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 I was... You know, we all love to sing the Beatles songs. They're just so amazing. But to to actually approach some masterpiece written by someone like John Lennon, you have to be very, very careful, very humble. I, I didn't know if I could actually do it justice, of course. How can you possibly, you know, do one better than, than John and Paul and Ringo and George? <laughs> but we we did a, a beautiful a beautiful rendition of it, it's true, and the cellos and everything. But they brought out something of a of a a man in his later years, me, looking back to a moment in time when uh, he was in that situation that Norwegian would describe, you know, with the girl and waiting, hoping that uh, something was going to happen and biding his time, drinking their wine and all this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> so uh, the, the Beatles, the Beatles, they're just in me, you know, because uh, it was a time, you know, I was like 15, I guess, 14, 15, when I first heard Love Me Do. I guess it must have been 15. I remember we used to have these little transistor radios back then. They were really tinny and everything, but that was the only access, you know, that's the only way you could hear anything. And... uh because they, the radio stations in England didn't play rock music back then, but there wasn't much music to play anyway. But I remember walking to uh, along with my transistor radio to my ear and hearing "Love, Love Me Do," and uh, I stopped because I never stopped walking because I just couldn't I couldn't compute. You know, it was like it was a sound that uh, it was just not anywhere around at that time it was just not and uh, it it just had this earthy quality in the harmonica and Paul's voice and the two of them together it was just amazing so so uh, I just in that moment yes and I did see it and uh, I just it was very early it was it was in the please please me time I think they just released please please me they were just on the cusp of breaking big, and uh, 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 and there was just a sense of I can only I mean I didn't have I couldn't articulate it back then I didn't have the vocabulary but now when I look back there was I just felt a sense of joy 
it was just like joy, a joyful feeling coming at me, you know. And there was all the other performers, and they doing their thing, and they were smiling and rocking and doing their thing. But there was something about the three, four of them, three of them in Ringo at the back, that uh, that just transcended anything I'd, I'd experienced before, and uh, I didn't really know it, but uh, I was smitten, <laughs> and uh, and then they just became avatars. They just became avatars for a generation, and uh, I was happy to flow in that wake, you know, because uh, everything they did. Just uh, it just turned me on, you know. It made me it grew me up. I I grew up with their music, and Bob Dylan, of course, was another one. He was more the dark angel, but uh, he was an angel nonetheless. And then there was the Stones. You know, these they they were like the avatars of my generation. These people, amazing. George also was really an avatar for mantra and bringing mantra to the West. Well, in a way, I feel like we just, we, we've kind of carried on where George left off in a way, you know, because he was, he he was, uh, he he really immersed himself in the, in the ISKCON, in the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, you know, and uh, George brought us that, and uh, he, he, get, he said, okay, check this out, you know, this is, this is, uh, where all the drugs may have been leading us, you know, into meditation, into celebration of life, into, uh, you know, a sense that we are all together and we're all one with the mountains and the trees and the buildings and the traffic and the birds. We're all somehow existing in a togetherness, you know, and we're not separate. Nobody's separate. If we can live like that, then everybody has a possibility to to flow in a harmonious way, you know, rather than uh, with the conflicts that we've created for ourselves as humans. So, yeah, George was uh, huge for us, for me anyway, you know. And he also, similarly to you guys, really did it as his practice. It was yeah. his practice. That's it. Yeah, he wasn't messing around, was he? No. He, uh, he really <laughs> felt like... <laughs> No, that was a great thing, you know. That's why I like those sort of people. It was like, it's intense. It's like, hey, no bullshit, you know. It's now. We have to, it's now. And, uh, you know, let's not get sleepy, you know. I think that was what led me to Osho and meditation in India. It was like, this is your wake-up call, you know. And, uh, for instance, that whole thing with Wild Wild Country, I know... There was a lot of aspects there that looked terrible and everything, and I'm I'm not here to defend that. But at the same time, just like, say, in America, you've got a crazy guy like Trump, and we had a crazy girl like Sheila, but you and me, we just got on with our lives. You know, that didn't represent us. Trump doesn't represent, you know, everybody in the same way that Sheila didn't, you know. Right. So, um, so we we were in an incredible learning curve, you know. That there was not only um, uh, you know on a on a spiritual level, but realistically, we were out in the Oregon desert with the National Guard around there, you know, and people shooting up the Rajneesh Poram signs, and we were just there. We thought we were going to a place where nobody 
you know, would bother us and we wouldn't bother anyone and we would build this city, you know, for ourselves to live in. So it was an amazing journey to be out there, you know, uh, and and having an experience that no therapy session could ever give you. This was way beyond anything set up in a meditation room or in a therapy studio. This was real life, you know. So it was amazing. And I learned so much about myself and so much about trust, you know, trusting myself, my real feelings. Did I feel... Did I, did I ever doubt Osho? No, I never for one moment doubted Osho. Never for one moment. It saved my life about four times by then, you know. I, I, I went through many different uh, uh, levels of, of um, you know, pain and guilt and things like this and, that I carry and brought into the ashram and through the meditations and through the the discourses that he gave me through the meditations that he gave us and to the great music. So much magnificence near the ocean and, you know, this kind of beautiful music that uh, was being played. It was, uh, I never doubted that I was in the right place. So, so you know, it was trial by fire in a way, the whole thing, but uh, it really was just like uh, George Harrison, just like for me, Osho was... Uh, uh, a, a, a pinnacle, you know, that I could, I could learn from, and, and to be fearless in the, in the face of adversity, and, uh, and, and stay with my heart open, and, and, uh, and be uh, available for, like, um, understanding and learning, being, and, and having the teachings of other people, so that I could enrich my own life, you know. But, uh, you know, what I learned mainly from Osho, I think, was that basically, you know, there is this connection where we are, um, let's say, let's say we are one, you know, where there is a, there is a, a space in every human being, even if, even though the cultures are different and, uh, the religions are different, they still, uh, uh, a space that we all inhabit that is the same and that space we are all the same and that's a deeper realization a deeper place to be if we can all be there and live in, in this space of oneness then uh, it would be a very different world you know it's so interesting how adversity really brings us to these new levels of expansion yeah. And how sometimes people will look at adversity with a negative aspect. I feel like adversity is the biggest blessing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not always, sure, yeah. obviously, but in there's always a gift in it. There's always a gift in it. That's absolutely true. It's like the chicken breaking out of the egg. You know, it's like it has to push and break that egg, and that's uh, that's the adversity right there. But then life is given, you know, and uh, or the, the, you know, the seed becoming a, a, a plant or a seed, a sapling, you know. And it's just uh, nobody escapes, I think. It's just different ways we have of dealing with those kind of uh, situations that arise in life. Everybody, nobody escapes those experiences. It's just how we, how we deal with it, I think, it's, uh, makes a difference, you know. 
Totally, that's the key because we can have an attitude where it is bringing a blessing or we can have an attitude that brings us down which then submerges us into an even deeper place. Well, yeah, we we start, if we close our heart, which is a natural, almost a natural thing to do in pain and uh, in jealousy and whatever else, if our heart is closed, then the only person we're hurting is ourselves. If the heart is open, we're feeling good. If you have an open heart, you're feeling good. It's just how to access that, you know, and uh, that's where compassion and forgiveness and, uh, you know, those kind of um, qualities come into play. And the only way you can really get to those places is through meditation. When you separate yourself from the mind, which is full of jealousy and full of everything else, and uh, and the heart opens, and then you can feel, oh, yeah, okay, another day. Here I am. Wow, what a beautiful morning. Oh, it's snowing. Oh, it's raining and cold today. That's nice. And, you know, I don't know, but <laughs> somehow there's there's a key in there for me, you know, that uh, that helps me to stay open to to life's travails. And, but not that I, you know, I have... I have a very easy life compared with many people. All I do is travel around. I don't have any possessions. I have a few guitars and a laptop and this phone that I'm talking to you on. And uh, the rest of it is uh, incidental. As long as I can do this, then, uh, you know, I eat well. I haven't eaten meat or fish for 50 years. And Dave, I never tasted meat or fish in my life. You know, so... We we live very healthy and very clean in that way, and uh, there's there's a, a, a great bunch of people around us, our crew and our musicians, fantastic, and the nose, our beautiful Nepalese, our maestro who plays the bansuri, the bamboo flute, it's become like my son now in these in these years. He's been with us now since he was a young twenty year old, and now. He's 40, you know, so it's 20 years with, uh, with a maestro, a beautiful boy who turned into a really beautiful man and now has a family of his own. And, you know, it's just, just an amazing, it's just an amazing, uh, life I've been blessed with. And, uh, David's new album we've just recorded and, uh, released. And, uh, for me, it's after, I think it's like, I think it's our 22nd album now, something like that. We've released a lot of music. But Dave's new album, it's called Dave, and uh, I find it's, it's one of the special ones, and it's very beautiful. It contains uh, the Seven Chakra Gayatri Mantra, which is, uh, which is an extension, really, of the Gayatri Mantra that uh, she's been chanting for so many years. It's it addresses all the different seven chakras in our body as you chant, so it's very powerful. And Anusta Shankar is on there, Ravi Shankar's daughter is playing sitar for us on one or two tracks, things like this. So it's uh, very musically very enriching too, so it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Is the process in the creation of your solo albums different from the group albums? In some ways, yeah. In some ways, yeah. The the uh, the song album is very spontaneous in a way. Uh, it's live, you know. I played those songs live, uh, 
And uh, usually in the studio, when you're in the process of recording, is that you put the, it's like building the house. You put the foundation down first. This is the, the uh, technical digital world where you can do stuff like this. So you can perfect everything to a place where it's almost antiseptic, you know, and I don't like it. So I like to, I like to keep the music uh, alive. So um, rather than build these foundations, I just decided that the foundation would be my voice, my guitar, and the songs, you know. And uh, and so we approached it from that from that uh, that place. Whereas, say, for Davis' album, it was more producing um, a, a landscape for her to sing into. So. So the music and the thing would be set for her, and uh, and then she would come and sing and put her magic on top. You know that's that's how we do it with Deva. With the songs, it's more organic. Let's say you know I've got a new album coming. I think this winter when we get down to Byron, we'll be uh, we're going to be recording a new song album after. I think I'll call it Temple at Dawn now. We've done Temple at Midnight. (laughs) (laughs) It is a new dawn (laughs) for you. (laughs) As you said in your own words, right? (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) So that would be a perfect title. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I was thinking to it, Temple at Dawn, yeah. I am so blessed to have had you on the show and chat with you and very, very appreciative and send you and Deva much love, many blessings and also to the whole band and we look forward to having you come here to our local area in uh, Sarasota. It's very exciting and wanted also to say thank you to Deva for the Red Tide video as it's been affecting our area and we appreciate the mantra and her taking time out for that. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, she was very concerned about it. How is it? How are you doing that? Uh, it has let up a little bit. Okay. And I think when things like this happen, going back to what we were speaking about with the diversity, very often when there's conflict, it... It causes an action with people and whether it's people questioning why or going into a certain action, it facilitates movement of energy. There's action being taken now where we're figuring out why does this happen and how can we avoid it or how can we take care of it in future. So it brings an awareness where it may not have been before. So it's shedding light on things. Was it a man-made occurrence in any way, or was it just nature's nature's way? What happened? Some people believe that there has been an altering of the ecology based on pollutants that were brought into the water by man. Mm, And so it's further accelerated uh, what normally happens or naturally happens anyway, and has changed the ecology of the water. It could be also related to global warming. So there's different uh, aspects, and I think that's really what's happening now where there's an investigation of 
why did this happen so intensely this time? So it's out for debate, and the floodgates of love have opened to the waters, which is always a good thing. And mantras for the waters, many people have been doing mantra, so that's a beautiful happening. It's good. Yeah, it's all good. When things happen, we have that opportunity to turn the poison into medicine. It's the alchemy that we're able to do. That's the challenge, huh? <laughs> the challenge spiritually, emotionally, physically always brings us to new places. <laughs> always. That's it. That's it. That's the gift. We look forward to seeing you and having the blessing of your music here live. Thank you so much. Okay, love. Well, we look forward to seeing you too. Make sure you come backstage. Have a hug. Yeah? Thank you. And want to give a big thank you also to Jim Subian Dawson, Rachel Epstein from Ocean of Sound, and Hannah from Prabhu. Many blessings and much love. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. Bye-bye. Bye now. You've been listening to Ultrasounds with DJ E-Love on WMNF Tampa. Peace and love until next week.